Hey everyone, Rylan Johnson here. Um, this, just finished listening to this episode I'm about to play you. It's an interview with my friend uh, Catherine Raymond. I thought about doing kind of a big intro to this and kind of explaining a lot of my... The episode's largely about mental illness and mental health. And I, as I talk about in the interview, is I've given kind of a presentation. And so I have kind of a stock speech that I give about, you know, kind of importance of breaking down stigma and some coke coping mechanisms I use and whatnot and I thought about putting that into the beginning of this podcast but I think I kind of like the way that me and Catherine just have this conversation and it's so casual um and I don't I like how we're kind of not making a big production of it and I think it's kind of an example of you know there's ways to talk about very serious mental health issues and just to bring them up in normal conversation and it always doesn't have to be super difficult so I hope we kind of accomplish that um, I'm talking with Michaela Robertson, who I my last episode was with, and I kind of agree, and I think I did it somewhat in this episode, is that um, the first half of the episodes that I've been recording are largely um, kind of just basic information. You know, you ask where the person's from, you kind of just get a sense, and they're kind of, you know, small talk, sort of say. And as a result, I think the second half of all those episodes has been much better. Um I don't know what to do with this information, though. I, I think what I'm going to do from now on is maybe make the introductions a little more concise and kind of just get into the heart of it, you know, right away. So if you listen to my last episode, I would have just kind of, after five minutes, really got into Michaela explaining her views on motherhood, which she had, you know, prepared and kind of put her answers together. And then same with this interview with Catherine. I think it really takes about 45 minutes before we really get into the nitty-gritty of talking about our mental health and kind of all the things that go with that. So uh, if anyone's listening to this and you listen to both episodes, let me know what you think. Because part of the reason is I don't want to just bore people with that kind of small talk at the beginning if you know it means you're going to shut it off and not listen to what I consider the actual meat of the podcast, which is always the second half. So perhaps I can shorten up that beginning and kind of just force people to get right into it right away um but like i said i'm exploring with the medium and i think a lot of the times you know you just have to have that level of comfort of talking for a half hour before you can get into the more serious things but i think probably a lot of that i could accomplish off recording you know just kind of engage in conversation to get everyone going and then say okay we're gonna start now uh if you have any thoughts on that let me know and uh i'll just play the interview now with Catherine raymond i hope you enjoy it very much Check, check, check one, two. Okay, everyone, welcome to the HMS Scandamaniac podcast, live from the shores of Great Slave Lake. Wow, it's the first time I think I've ever delivered that intro line properly. <laughs> um, before we get into today's podcast, I just want to talk about myself, which is really what I do on this podcast mostly, is uh, ramble, you know, try and feed my ego to the outside world, or maybe I'm trying to get rid of it to the outside world. I'm not sure what I'm trying to do. But uh, on today's episode, we're largely going to talk about uh, mental health, you know, a topic that is very dear to my heart. Uh, last year or so in Yellowknife, I've been part of a program called the Talking About Mental Illness program, where we go into schools and kind of give our own personal stories with mental health. This coincides with students kind of uh, taking an eight-week course where they learn about different mental illnesses and they learn about the you know stigma attached to mental health and kind of just learn how to talk about it. And then there's a group of us who go in and kind of talk about our own lived experience. So that's something I kind of got into while getting into Yellowknife. Also, I've helped out a bit with another podcast called the Northern Minds Podcast. Still working on editing those and releasing those. But that's tied to a program, Northern Minds program, that a friend of mine, Devin Hodder, set up when he was in high school. And since a lot of the counselors in the NWT have kind of got on board too, which puts uh, high school students in each of the high schools as uh, mental health ambassadors. Kind of like your peer person you can go to whenever you're having issues. And I thought that was a really great program and... Kind of, I think, being in the North and kind of having time to process a lot of things and a lot of time to just sit and think and, you know, really having seasonal depression kick me in the ass a few of the winners. I've, I've become a lot more open and honest with my mental health and I've, you know, been talking about it more and more. Like I said, I go into schools. Um, and so that's kind of something we're going to get in today with my uh, guest, Catherine Raymond. Catherine Raymond, uh, welcome to the HMS Scandamaniac podcast. Can you do us a favor by uh, ringing the ship's bell to start sure us off? Sure can. Ooh, that's hitting the levels Nailed just fine. It. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, Catherine, maybe first, uh, so we've known each other, how long have we known each other? A couple years now? I mean, 
Yeah, did this, maybe three years. You did the like two week on, two week on. I'm gonna be traveling all the time, work at the mine, not really here thing. Yeah. So like, I feel like we have this friendship yeah. that I see you every like two months, <laughs> and I'm super excited. But and now actually, you're going to school in Vancouver. That's right. So I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, less. I mean, one of the things you said to me like the first two months into my master's was, I actually see you more now that. <laughs> yeah. You're in yeah. School, exactly. So. You're not traveling all the time. Yeah. Um. Also, you kind of bought an apartment today, I guess. Yeah, well, that's we got exciting. a condo. Yeah, so you're, you are also a former houseboater, is that correct? That is correct. How, how was that? How, how did you find the, your stint on the houseboat? I mean, I think if you ask anyone in my family or Sean's family, uh, all they'll remember is my gushing over how I have running water in Vancouver now and heating. <laughs> But, uh, no, it was, it was really, it was nice. It was romantic and like just walking out into the houseboat in the middle of winter where you see the Northern lights on your walk home and canoeing out in the middle of the summer. And wow. It's funny that you, you say it's romantic. Like I know people romanticize the lifestyle, but it, you're, you've lived it and you, now you're still romanticizing it post fact. Like, yeah, I, I mean like, I don't like how, what, how'd you find breakup and freeze up? Like, did you have a breakup technique? <laughs> I, <laughs> I think it's funny. Cause if you talk about it without explaining it to people, people think like, Oh, like breakup season in Yellowknife. That's when all the couples break up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And I was like, no, 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 that's not why we have to leave town. It's cause the ice breaks up. Um, yeah, it was, well, I mean, but that is why we left. Like, we would leave town, so we were kind of cheating as houseboaters because we would just travel elsewhere whenever breakup or freeze-up happened because of our two-and-two two schedule. So it was really great to experience in Nicaragua. And <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, you can check the webcam and be like, oh, that looks yeah, cool. Oh, that looks like it's pretty sketchy to get home. Glad I'm not walking home today. Um, all right, Catherine, maybe, uh, so you're presently doing a master's. What are you doing your master's in? And it's in Vancouver. When are you done yeah. that? Are you coming back to us soon? Yeah. Um, I'm working on my master's in geological sciences, but I'm working in environmental remediation for mine waste. <laughs> so you are clearly coming back to work in the north. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have a couple mines here. <laughs> yeah. Even more remediated or sites yeah. that need to be remediated. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a good fit for me here, like, career-wise, but also just the the lifestyle. I'm kind of over Vancouver. Um, there's just, like, much better sense of community here than there is in a city of millions of people. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, you have to, I mean, Yellowknife finding community is just easy it, it almost finds you because yeah. people like are like oh you're new oh oh you're like a young attractive woman like you know there's yeah. all everyone's excited that you exist <laughs> and then before hey, you know hey, it, there's you a have, new person here yeah hey. and, yeah exactly Check and this you know, out. it people like do that thing like I, I remember being in the theater one time and these two girls were in front of me i'm like you two aren't from here, are you? Just like <laughs> clearly from Vancouver. And it's like, yeah. you know, I'm How a Southern. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like we're both Southern transplants, but like mm -hmm. you just like the community pulls you in. And after a few years, you're just, Oh shit. You're judging people too <laughs> who are newer than you. It's just yeah. this weird hierarchy. You can just see it because they smell nice and their clothes are all fancy. And... <laughs> yeah. Fucking assholes. <laughs> like, where'd you come from? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Okay, so um, <laughs> what I kind of wanted to talk to you about today is is because you're one of these people who we I've I've had few conversations with you kind of on and off about mental health, and uh, previously kind of spouted this idea of talking to you about it, and and what you said to me is well actually I have anxiety and so I'm anxious about doing it and I got to get all my thoughts <laughs> in order, and then it's funny I was talking to you before this episode and you're like yeah I probably should have wrote some things down and got my <laughs> thoughts in order, but I mean right now as a do you have do you have social anxiety? How are you feeling right now being on a podcast? Your mom might listen to this. I'll send it to her. Sorry, is this supposed to help me open up this uh, segue? <laughs> no, I think I'm I think I'm attacking you to see how that goes. Yeah. Uh I wouldn't say it's like social anxiety. 
um, as much as I'm just constantly concerned with people judging me based on everything I do. Oh, so wow. that can that affect totally you in social situations. What I shouldn't have said, eh? Wow. <laughs> Struck a nerve. <laughs> no, no, not really. I mean, yeah, I, I think that it's just the 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 obviousness of getting lost in your own mind and and overthinking things and starting to worry about now i'm all freaked out because i'm on a podcast and my mom's oh gonna my listen. god I'm so, I, <laughs> yeah see this is why i should not host a podcast i'm fucking terrible at this don't know how to interview people maybe yeah so no <laughs> i the reason i said that is because i have like had really bad social anxiety I, I typically have, I, it's more just anxiety and that my thoughts start racing and my head kind of keeps going. And then like, I get to this point where I'm not even thinking. It's just like an overwhelming feeling of anxiety. Like I'm not even like putting worries together. It's just like the brain is kind of not starting, you know, it's like a, you're pulling a motor and it won't yeah. quite go. And then that's just like over and over and over. You just get stuck. And I, I, to be honest, I actually, I, well, A, I get out of it by making fun of people. I, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no, and I also think that's what part of the reason I'm doing this podcast is because I just have all these thoughts swirling in my head. And I feel like if I just get time to ramble and it's, it's like yeah. auditory journaling is part of my thought. So it's therapy. perhaps, yeah, it's a exactly. different form of therapy. Perhaps you can ignore what I said and treat this as auditory therapy yeah. and journaling. No, it's actually funny because I guess, like, you describe your experience and my experience when I first met you was, like, I think Ryland hates me. Like, seriously, oh, for wow. the first year, yeah, <laughs> you really I hated me. I that impression to a lot of people. It's not good. <laughs> but that's the, that's the funny thing about it is, like, you come off seeming kind of cold and distant and that, like, kind of is weird to other people, but it's really because you're just, like help i'm trapped in my head help yeah no it's like i meet people and some well and I, i'm so bad at this like hi it's, i'm Catherine. nice to meet you and i've forgotten your name and i'm like just yeah. like fucking <laughs> circling around something completely unrelated like you know in my head yeah like, just like stuck in there and then i and all the time this happens in social situations like it's weird because i go to parties like what the fuck am i doing at a party if i'm gonna sit in the corner and just like be obsessively thinking about some thought you know yeah but then if you stay at home, you do the same thing, so... Yeah. I think it's better to get out and do it than someone might entertain the thought, you know? Yeah. Um. How, okay, so you're in university right now, you're doing a master's. Um. How is how has the anxiety been playing out there? It was okay the first year, um, because with a master's or grad school, sometimes it's easy to be like, well, the deadline is in two years from now, so... I don't know, the deadlines and that kind of stress and going from working 12-hour days at a mine two weeks on um, and then going to school where I went climbing during the day and skiing during the day in oh, Vancouver. Wow. I was just kind of like living the dream. <laughs> but I think the pressure's starting to build again, um, especially once you start getting really into your own project and your thesis becomes your child and you just, it needs to be perfect. And like, you're giving this out to the world, much like a podcast and it needs to be perfect. Oh, there's absolutely <laughs> nothing perfect about this. And I, I don't think I share the perfectionist no. at all. <laughs> just like, gather thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're, like I'll, I'll, I'll hop on board the anxiety. I'll hop on board the depression, yeah. whatever train, definitely no perfectionism and certainly handed in a lot of C minus papers in my mm. education. Um, Okay, well, like, so now that you're <laughs> becoming anxious about this approaching thesis <laughs> and your baby and sending it out into the world, mm -hmm. um, like, what are you doing to cope with that? Like, are you still climbing and skiing? Because to me, that sounds like that'd make me feel mentally at peace. Yeah, but I think the funny thing about anxiety is that it, if if you ignore it, then it works its way into the things that you like to do. <laughs> so I started getting obsessive about climbing and I need to climb this goal better and oh, like push myself and like, I'm not working out enough. I'm not eating right for my thing. Oh God. Like, um, so I've started going to therapy <laughs> again and to try and deal with that 
issue because there's a lot of resources in the city and feel like I should take advantage of them while I'm out there. Yeah, absolutely. I assume like you go to your student, you just like need a counselor. They give you a counselor. Is it that easy? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you there's like multiple websites with the same number. Like if you're feeling not great, call this number. And I'm like, I'm not feeling great right now. They're like, oh, okay, well, and then they set you up with a professional that has written multiple books and has her own website, and you're oh just like, wow, God. cities are great. Cities have a lot of resources. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and especially when you're a student, you can access them. It's like, you know, the opposite of the north. I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. If you have money here, you can, a lot of good therapists in town, but, yeah. and there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of great resources through doing Skype therapy and whatnot. I didn't realize you were involved in that school project. That's yeah, really the cool. Tammy program. Yeah, it's a super cool program actually. Yeah. Yeah, and I it's it's also really neat because I just like I hadn't walked into a high school in over a decade and it's just like <laughs> I haven't talked to high school kids and it's like, Oh shit, yeah, I remember what I was like. And then I like and the kids these days are like they're just so much more open about it. Like I have kids be like, Oh yeah, I get depressed sometimes, this is what I do and like I have like really in-depth conversations about coping mechanisms with like 13 year olds and i'm like fuck man at 13 wow. i was just like stoned all the time so wise. barely aware <laughs> of my existence you know i was yeah. like Ugh. yeah i was just like drawing anime characters crying all the time and i was like i don't know oh, what these feelings mean that's the most emo thing yeah. i've ever heard anime and crying all the yeah. time <laughs> wow what kind of person were you in high school did you did you have friends i mean based on that i um, I, I managed to rope in some of the, uh, IB nerds, so... What's IB? International Baccalaureate. It's basically a program that forces university-level courses on high school oh, students like and pushes kids. them. Yeah, 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 but it totally pushes them into anxiety, and I was like, now we relate to each other. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, Actually, one year I came up or one time I came up to my locker and I saw a, fr a group of my friends in a circle crying about a math test. And I just think about like what kids are going through for school pressure now where they're not allowed to fail courses anymore. And like the level of pressure that they get. That's yeah, that's super interesting. How big was your school? 2000 people. Yeah, maybe that has something to do with it. I don't remember anyone ever being stressed about anything in high school, but maybe I was just too fucking stoned to remember, but, like... I feel like weed would help. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. In international baccalaureate. Okay, I, I mean... Yeah. Okay, so you, uh, how old are you? 26. 26. How, like, how much do you relate to that high school Catherine these days, like? Um, not at all, but I don't relate to myself at... 19 anymore or maybe 23 anymore <laughs> yeah yeah fair it's just <laughs> it's amazing how much progress you can make yesterday in a few years. <laughs> i don't know like... <laughs> um all right so when you were working at the mines what, what did that do for your mental health it was really good um i mean i can see how it would go the other way for a lot of people but for me it was just being at work and you had a routine routine is really good for mental health I'm learning like it's not it's not the fun thing to do but like unfortunately a lot of those types of things like routine and not drinking a lot and not smoking are like really good for your mental health and it just sucks like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it does suck uh, but no it's like when people preach those things like you know regular like, exercise yeah. or like you know shut up mom <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Hi, Catherine's mom. <laughs> um, um, but no, it was, it was, I mean, I guess admitting to my perfectionism issues, maybe it wasn't great for me because I was happy working 12 hours a day and then I would wake up at like four in the morning to go to the gym and like go to bed by eight or nine every day. And it was just very routine driven. I would order the same thing for breakfast every day for two weeks egg white scramble with veggies wow interesting just... <laughs> yeah so it's neat because like anxiety for me is really it's like a warning sign like as soon as my brain starts racing it's just a warning sign for depression to me. Mm. like if i'm anxious for a month 
right after that I'm depressed and if I'm depressed for a month I'm suicidal after that and like yeah. if I'm suicidal it's like I need to get back on meds and sort my fucking life out mm-hmm. but for you and and like none of that I would ever frame as ever helping me be remotely productive like if, oh no no anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts are not productive at yeah, all. Yeah, but when I hear you be like, <laughs> I can fall into these routines and be like working 12-hour days and like be mm. a perfectionist, like, do you ever find that like has benefited you? I, I mean, this is an interesting question, obviously, because you're trying to separate. Uh-huh. Like, if you didn't have that anxiety, maybe you still would work 12-hour shifts. And yeah, would I be as driven if I didn't have anxiety as a motivator? I don't know. I mean, well, so... It may just be one of these questions that doesn't have an answer and, like, what's the point of trying to... But I, I know. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, if you... Have you been medicated? Like, have you fe- had that difference of, like, yeah. oh, shit, like, these drugs work for me? Actually, yeah. So I guess maybe it's wrong to blame my perfectionism for driving me into these things because I actually became a lot more productive when I went on medication. Um, but I totally know what you mean about getting anxious and then getting depressed and like the spiral because I find that if I don't deal with my anxiety the inability to cope with that level of anxiety is what causes the depression because it's suddenly like okay like I'm no longer I'm not in control of the situation it's never going to change and then the result is like depression tiredness it changes all that high strung anxious mental energy into like like sleep (laughs) yeah yeah exactly and just like zombie state staring at the wall sometimes like oh shit my brain isn't working when like literally a month before it could have been just like bouncing off the walls i don't remember where i read or heard this but someone said depression is like being depressed is deep rest and it's your body saying you need deep rest because you're overwhelmed by whatever situation that's negative in your life. What do you mean by I don't perhaps I don't understand what depress means. Like deflate is that what depress means? Well, no, they were saying they were just using an I guess it's not the same like it's not a definition, but it's oh. just the way that they like to refer to being depressed is a state of deep rest like you sleep all the time you need deep rest to deal with the fact that you've been so like sick mentally and going forever yeah i i i would i it's funny because part of the program that i teach is like we have all these rules about like how to properly say things and you're not supposed to like you don't say i Oh, God, I, I don't even know. Like, I should know these semantic issues better. Like, you're not allowed to say you are depressed. You have to say I have depression. Yeah, I think. Yeah, exactly. Ah. That's like the, the semantic difference that people emphasize is like you are not depressed. Like, you, that's not who you are. A, you have a thing. It becomes you, a sickness that you have. Yeah, yeah. Or not a sickness. but You like, wouldn't whatever. say I am cancer. You say I have cancer. <laughs> that's you know? true. Yeah, it's, that's it's a good that point. comparison. Yeah. Oh, that would but be I always, awful if you said I am cancer. I am, but I always forget to do that because I don't fuck. I don't know, man. Yeah. Um. Do you want to get us one of those uh, tequilas there? Does that sound good? Yeah. Oh, they're mezcals, actually. Do you, Do you know What's the difference? What's the difference? Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm gonna fuck this up, just like I always say. I, like I, I I'm bipolar. Well, this is another interesting thing about my kind of story is that like, getting these diagnoses or yeah, I think maybe we just po- have a sip. <laughs> a sip. Okay. Does that make... I don't have a shot glass. That makes sense. Well, I was debating adding it to chamomile tea. Is that terrible? Oh, yeah. I think it'd be absolutely terrible. You should go ahead okay. and do it. Well, all right. Well, hey, here's the mezcal and uh, mental health. Yeah. yeah. It's good. It's kind <laughs> of like... So, okay. So, mezcal is like... You know how there's Pilsner, which is a type of beer, mm. and then there's tequila. That's really nice. Tequila is just a type of mezcal. And what happened due to the, just the region of tequila, where it's from, which is outside of Mexico City, and it was kind of like a political powerhouse, got, like, marketed as, like, the only thing. It's as if, like, you know, you went to Belgium and they were like, oh, all we have is Pilsner. We don't have beer. Right. Um, but actually... Do you realize that you're going to get so much Belgian hate now? yeah no but i'm saying that's how stupid it would be (laughs) right because they have lots of great beers and mexico has mezcals and each region has unique mezcals 
And, you know, some of them would have different names, just like Tequila did. Um, mm. And Mezcal in, had a lot of a bad reputation for years in Mexico. And then as a result, they've kind of... Uh, this Mexico's just going through, like, a fucking hipster revolution. Like, you know, and Mexican hipsters are just, like, a little more real because, like, Mexico's just a little more fucking real, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. they have actual problems. And, like, if you're protesting at a university, like... You know, oh shit, there's a mass grave full of students the next week. Like, it's real fucking consequences. Right. But part of the cool hipsterdom is, like, a lot of these mezcalerias are, like, playing. A lot of it's oaked, and it's kind of like the, you know, scotch is a type of whiskey, but even within scotch, there's just right. so much variety. Anyway, they're going to take a sip of mezcal. Yeah. Oh, that's really good, though. Mm-hmm. Does it still require the... I don't know. I don't know anything about yeah, alcohol. Yeah. So does it, does all... it have a worm? Like, is tequila have the worm? Yeah, the worm tequila? was like a weird, cheesy marketing gimmick that was uh. in a few regions. and But um, it's all made of agave. It's like a, it's yeah, all it's based 100%. out of a cactus. Just like, you know, all rye whiskeys are made of rye or something. Right. Um, yeah, how do you feel like... Okay, so back to what I was talking about is so... I don't even remember. I, on, <laughs> on the issues of categorizing... Yeah, I know. We were ranting to people, like, you know, about how regular routine and not drinking alcohol is healthy, and now we're drinking. Oh, no. Like, definitely... <laughs> well, podcasts aren't in my routine either, so that's yeah, my so, excuse. Fuck it. We'll just drink on it. <laughs> um, but no, kind of the same way that tequila and mezcal are categories. <laughs> mm. I view a lot of, like, mental health diagnoses I have that are, like, categories, but they're all interrelated and whatnot. And just partly because I've moved around the fucking country so much and I haven't ever had consistent therapies, like, I've had different diagnoses in my time. I've had general anxiety (coughs) disorder diagnosed. That might have been the first one, and I remember getting that and being like, I have generalized anxiety disorder and, like, not (laughs) understanding what that means. You know, it means on that day some psychiatrist (laughs) flipped open the DSM and was like, oh, yeah, you check these boxes, there you go. Yeah. And then I've had, like, you know, being diagnosed with uh, depression. And then I went through some, like, shitty getting different meds. And then one of my meds, which is an SSRI, you know, a very common type of antidepressant, which a serotonin uptake inhibitor, I don't know what the fuck it stands for. But, like, it causes precursors to serotonin. And most of the serotonin Mm -hmm. in your body is created in your gut. So that's why taking pills really helps sometimes. It just gives you that serotonin boost. And especially with Mm -hmm. depression where there's a lack of serotonin. Um this is all shit I don't actually know about and don't ever trust anything I say. I was going to say, I didn't know that. And I know that the pills that I'm on um, literally say, we don't know how this works. Yeah, These so the... <laughs> this is the, very much so. Like, they don't... vast majority of things that you take in your body do not cross the blood-brain barrier. Like, mm. and... But they're always... They're also confused because, like... The amount of synapses in your gut is, like, more than your brain. Like, we're just starting to realize hmm. the importance of gut bacteria. Right. And so they're thinking these, like, precursors to, to serotonin, like, you know, they're somewhere along the chain, uh, are creating serotonin in the gut. And then it's going in and then it's somehow crossing the blood-brain barrier or just the fact that it's in your gut, the synapses do something. And it's like, but we're still not really sure. Like, you know, we know these classifications of antidepressants. They just have a gut feeling. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But the fact is they fucking work. So, like, if you're given a gift from your society and, you know, it's going to save your life, fucking A. And they've certainly saved my life. But, okay, so then what happened is, like, I had depression, suicidal go through a different meds. Finally, one of them works. I'm like feeling fucking great. Then I start like bouncing off the walls and have my first like manic episode, like break from reality, kind of like very mild. Like it's almost as if like I wasn't having full on hallucinations, but I'd see something and just interpret it differently. Hmm. Or I got a little too obsessed with synchronicities in my life. I started Mm -hmm. like seeing too many patterns and then I like clued in like, Oh, shit. I'm like, hey, this wasn't happening before. (laughs) Yeah, like, I'm actually going crazy. (laughs) And then because that was in response to an SSRI, like an antidepressant, the psychiatrist said, like, that's a bipolar diagnosis, but it's also possibly just, like, side effects to your antidepressant. (laughs) 
Actually, I was really obsessed with getting a correct diagnosis for a long time because I had read so much about how, like, if you have bipolar a little bit, SSRIs could make you crazier and that's not good. And I was like, well, I don't want to take the wrong thing. And I used it as a procrastination tool to get help for a long time because I was like, well, nobody knows what I have. Yeah, exactly. Um, and how do you feel about like diagnoses now? Like what, I, what how do you view them? Well, yeah, I guess it's, I mean, I've been diagnosed as anxious or depression, like anxiety or depression a lot. Um, and I just, yeah, I mean, now that I'm on medication and feeling a lot better, I'm like, well, it doesn't matter because I'm feeling better. And I mean, knowing more about that people don't actually know how SSRIs even work and <laughs> like, it's all just kind of. It's just something that's happening and messing with your perception of the world, essentially. I I don't know. I care a lot less now that I'm in a better place than I did when I wasn't in a good place, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I think I completely relate to that. And that's probably, like, I don't even... It's been, like, years since I've had a manic episode. Or years since I've even, like... I, like, have ups and downs, but I'm, like, so aware of them. I'm hyper aware of my moods, and it's, like... If I get, like, a little bit anxious, I'm like, oh, shit, back in the routine, back to doing this, like, mm -hmm. stop drinking so much. And, like, if I get some, like, winter depression, I can usually be like, oh, this is just, like, winter depression, I gotta go do this, like, go socialize. And it's been, like, years without any incident that I, to me, those, like, the cat, I don't, like, I don't even know if I identify with the diagnosis. Like, I don't think yeah. I'd be like, I have bipolar. I would, like use it as a tool if like shit got bad again and I had to go to a psychiatrist yeah. so I can like communicate with them in their language but right. like to me now it's just like I'm fine and it's like I'll completely talk about my experience and yeah you know, the... well I think that's that's the interesting part about it too is once you're better it's so much easier to talk about everything you went through <laughs> yeah that's for because... damn sure <laughs> yeah when you're in it less clear <laughs> you'd rather just uh I don't know, hide. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I <laughs> have done that, you know, you just yeah. check out of the world. Yeah. Well, I know when I, and it's funny because sometimes the medication that makes your life so much better, the first two weeks that I went on the medication that I'm on right now, we were in the houseboat and I was scared to leave the houseboat for two weeks. And yeah. it was just like, I eventually had to go to work. And so I had to leave the houseboat. <laughs> and then two days into live, like being back at work, like something just switched and it was completely better. And like these meds that I'm on have become like, have made my anxiety night and day difference. But as soon as I forget to take my pill for two days in a row, like I can instantly start feeling it again. And so it's like, they're dangerous, but they make such a big difference for people who need it. And it's, well, yeah. I can see a lot of people, like, a lot of people are scared to go on medication because you read these horror stories on the internet and or you talk to your friends and, like, they have really serious side effects and, like, it's hard to commit to something that just might make you feel shittier for a long time. Yeah, one of the first antidepressants I took, I shit my pants for, like, three weeks straight, just, like, terrible <laughs> diarrhea. And then at the end, like... I had to switch to another one because it didn't even work. And it's like, yeah, why, like, why I, did I shit my pants for three weeks? Yeah, and I was so depressed to shitting my pants. It's like, what the hell is the benefit for that? And so, like, I know a lot of people, you have that experience. <laughs> my depression. Yeah, you have that experience once and you're suicidal, yeah. depressed, and shitting your pants. They're like, I'm not trying again. I'm yeah. sorry, Doc. Like, the fuck did you do to me? I don't want to shit my pants for three weeks again. I got places to be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm trying to get out of bed, you know? <coughs> yeah. Oh. But no, it's... Yeah, it's super interesting because I also think that, like, there's still so much stigma around it. And there's so much even... There's unwillingness, I think, people, like... They first get hooked up on, like, well, what if I get diagnosed? What's that going to mean? And then they get hooked up on, like, well, am I going to take drugs? And it's like... So they don't even take any steps. And it's like, well, go talk to the damn psychiatrist. This person does this for a living. Like, yeah. Like, you go... They think they know exactly what's going to happen before they even go in there. And it's like... Well, yeah. I think the hardest part is that when you're deep into a mental illness, 
what you're really looking for is an immediate fix and that just doesn't exist and that's why people get into drug addiction and like different unhealthy situations of coping because they provide a faster easier relief than like in your mind you're like i'm gonna die tomorrow i don't have time to book a therapist that might see me in two weeks yeah absolutely (laughs) there is no like easier way for me to self-medicate than just drinking six beer every day like (laughs) holy shit my anxiety goes away after six beer but then my depression comes twice as fast (laughs) because i've been drinking nonstop. yeah yeah it's hard and i think like that i don't know i would go down deep spirals online just reading about other people's experience because i was hoping something would just click and fix it instantly versus actually going to someone with professional help that might help me yeah that's neat though that you still like sought out and were reading a bunch of things online i mean that's really kind of a reflection of what our generation does first Mm. but i think even then like i i still know a lot of people who are they're just not even willing. I don't even think they'd take that step. Like, you know, they'll be anxious yeah. or depressed and they won't even, like, talk about it. They just go through, like, grinding their teeth and, you know. Well, do you think it's harder, too, in a in a small town, like, or smaller community? Like, I have a friend that clearly has some depression and anxiety as well, but they're just too concerned to go get professional help because they are in a situation similar to like working at a mine or they like, but it's in town. And so they're just scared. Someone will see them coming out of the office and know that they have mental health issues. And like, that's the real upset for me about what mental health stigma is, is that people can't even feel comfortable going to get help. Yeah. No, I, I, I have like, very close experience with that like you know i grew up in a small rural town and i had uh, like a really good childhood family friend who killed himself and you know i had other friends who like went to jail and like you know a lot of friends who just completely ruined their lives and you know clearly like it's this weird kind of contrast though because i know a lot of those people they they had really strong community and their entire family like knew something was wrong and like my friend's grandpa like started taking him fishing all the time and like really supervising him but i also think there was probably and i i you know what i'm hesitant to say this because i don't know but i think especially in like smaller towns there's like even if there's a community there there's no one's willing to really talk about it that openly Mm. and certainly no one's like stepping up and being like well, this is a mental health fucking problem. Let's take him to a psychiatrist, you know? Yeah, because you're too close to those people. That, and it's this weird stigma-affected generation of people that are like, well, like, you're fine. Like, we'll just all, like, hang out with you more and it'll be okay. But rather than just seeing it, diagnosing it, being like, you need this, this, and this, and that'll start to help you. Yeah, yeah. I... I- yeah, I hesitate to say that the, they would say you're fine. I, I actually think mm. in a lot of ways, like, living in a city can be more isolating. And, like, if you don't show up for a month in your apartment, you're, and, you know, depending yeah. on your friends, they're not going to notice. Yeah, that's In true. a small town, like, that just can't happen. Like, right. you know, it's like, a, where, where the fuck are you? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe it's just... But you're right. Like, they're... Mm. It's also a really hard topic to breach with a friend. And I've ran into this too, because it's like, if a person says to me, like, hey, you should go get therapy. uh, Like, I don't take any offense. I'm like, yeah, I fucking should. And I do. Yeah, everyone should get therapy. Like, everyone's (laughs) got baggage they're carrying. I know. (laughs) Everyone needs it. (laughs) You know, like, if that person is not of the same mentality that Mm. we are, like, that's, you know, offensive thing to say to some people. Like, hey, look, friend, you need therapy. They're like, what, there's nothing wrong with me? Why would I need therapy? And it's like, shit, I'm not trying to help. It's like... Or even if something is wrong and you know that it's wrong and therapy might help, I mean, sometimes you just can't go to therapy until you're ready for therapy. Yeah, absolutely. And sending someone who's not willing to talk and willing to deal with it is useless, you know? Yeah, and it's like, it's not going to be fun. It's going to be hard. Like, once I ran out of my therapy session like refusing to participate because it wasn't something I was ready to deal with even though I was ready to take that other step and like yeah no and that's something I'm super aware of and I I think the way I've kind of approached it is that like 
you know, sometimes there's this, you want to, like, just push too much on a person. It's like, mm. hey, like, you're clearly depressed, you want to say, you should go get therapy. And it's mm. like, that can be a lot. Both of those statements can be a lot to a person. Right. So, like, I've kind of, like, right. when I see a friend who's going through a hard time, assuming they're a friend who's not open to hearing those things, it's like, I just kind of disarm them by talking about my own experience, like, the whole yeah. time. It's like, I'll have a conversation like we're having now where I just spew everything I'm saying. Yeah. And hopefully, like... You They'll know, go home and go, holy shit, like... <laughs> yeah, or I hope- am the same person, or... Like, yeah, something clicks where they're like, oh, yeah. shit, I'm not that unique. I think that's the other thing, is that yeah. so many times people just think, like, that their problem is something never... No one has ever gone through this. No one has ever, like, you know, mm. fantasized killing themselves. And it's like, mm. oh, grow up, like... <laughs> <laughs> happens to yeah. so many people like yeah 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 <laughs> um okay so the other thing i kind of wanted to talk to you about is um just kind of where you see yourself going forward with your mental health i mean it sounds like you know you've been medicated for a while you're super fucking doing your masters you kind of yeah feeling good about life but like do you see this as something you'll deal with for the rest of your life? Do you think you'll... So I, like, I debate this back and forth in my head one time, like, whether I'm, like, I'm cured kind of thing, mm. like, whether I'll... Or I'm, like, should I be a little more realistic that, like, you know, you'll probably have another serious bout of depression in your life or, like... Right. I just... And how does that make you feel, that kind of, like, if you add that, like, I'll probably go through this again... Do you think it'll be easier the second time or the third time or the fifth time? Or Yeah. Well, I think especially for mental health, it's not good to, like, have a self-fulfilling prophecy about <laughs> entering another state of heavy depression mm-hmm. because then it'll probably happen more likely. But I don't know. I think I think it's just, like, life. It's like if someone was suddenly saying okay, I've learned everything I need to learn about myself. I'm done growing. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. Like, <laughs> just like, okay, sweetheart, like, that's great, but that's not realistic. And I think that my relationship with anxiety is kind of similar in terms of, yeah, I'll probably always have some effect of anxiety still in my life because it develops based on tendencies you develop as a child and how you grow up. But I think that the more you acknowledge it and learn to deal with it in different coping mechanisms or going to therapy and talking about it and self-realization, it just becomes less of a negative impact on your life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I at times find that like when I'm starting to get depressed, it's almost like I can detach myself from it and be like just so objective. It's like, oh, here, I'm feeling this feeling again. Like I've felt this. I kind of know what it's like. And it's like I can like almost remove myself from it and just be observing this like, oh, I got to feel like this for a bit. But like I can keep my like separate my brain and from it and like go about living my life still like yeah. I'm so much more high functioning than I ever used to be yeah um, I mean <laughs> I remember in my undergrad I was stressing out about studying for exams and I, I went to the washroom and I saw this mom holding her kid up she was washing her hands and she starts like sobbing because her sleeves oh, got wet no. And I was like, yeah, this is perspective. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not crying because my sleeves are wet, but in five years, will I care about this exam? No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, grow, getting a little older and gaining some perspective, perspective too really helps. I'm like, oh, you know, this probably isn't yeah. the biggest deal ever. Like if you had, and I mean, yeah, part of it's perspective and part of it's just those tools that you can separate yourself suddenly and examine your own problems like you're a yeah, different yeah. person just a lot more self-awareness and yeah. self-reflection because that's what it is is when you get stuck in that mental trap that you sell for yourself like if you can escape that by separating yourself yeah then you're removing yourself from that constant circle of rumination and yeah which i think is a big step like whether you're dealing with mental illness or not to like 
you know, if you're getting really angry and something, be like, oh, I'm getting really angry, I gotta walk yeah. away. Or, like, it's a big step in dealing yeah. and processing emotions as an adult. Like, yeah. you know, like, maybe when you're in a big fight with your partner, like, you should be like, oh, maybe I should wait till I calm down, like, go for a walk, yeah. and then, like, address this a little more rationally. Yeah. But I, like, that's a hard thing to do. It takes a high level of self-awareness and reflection, and, you know, mm. I think yeah. I've got a lot of that in therapy. Like, I'm, you know, talking about, like, just... Well, and I, I, it's interesting that you said, like, you gain a lot of these habits when you're young, because to me, kind of childhood and, like, for me, also my teenage years is, like, where so much of this kind of comes from. Mm. And as so many of those patterns were formed and I can kind of see moments and now be like, oh, yeah, like that, that was probably, like, why this pattern got formed. And now yeah. I can, like, slowly retrain my brain for, like... That's a hundred percent. I feel how therapy is supposed to work. Like yeah. you see, you see the negative patterns and why they happen and why you now think this, and then you challenge it, and that's like how you get better. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, I'm I'm curious to you. Like, do you have kind of pinnacle moments or th or things you think about that, like in regards to childhood or those adolescent years, like? kind of like have formed who you are now and that's why i was asking how much you relate to that person in high school mm. because like i agree that like i'm not at all the person i am in high school but if you talk about mental health wise i'm like <laughs> oh my god that person is just me on my worst days yeah like, you know yeah no that's fair it's a fair statement i think recently i've started recognizing my See, now I'm all worried because you're like, hi, Catherine's mom. Oh, I... Uh, my, my, uh... Does your mom have Facebook? <sighs> yeah. Oh, well, she's Whatever. not my friend. Anyway, um, my, my growing up was... And I mean, okay, so I was born into a family that's super Catholic. And we went to church every Sunday. Oh, yeah, Catholic guilt will fuck you up, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm starting... Not much stronger. And it's, like, kind of sad how long it took for me to get here like uh, oh that's why I feel guilty if some every day of my life <laughs> but I mean and I mean it's done a lot of positive things for me and I'm sure like I'm a nice person because I feel so guilty whenever yeah, I like fuck off. you don't have to be an apologist <laughs> for the catholic church on this fucking podcast uh, I got no apologies no, for catholic guilt I mean yeah like it's just it was, it was another one of those moments. And I mean, I've spent so much time thinking about like how I was bullied in elementary school and like had these abusive ex-boyfriends and like whatever. But, but recently my, my new therapist was like, well, no, we should go back farther than that. And like, we were talking about how, um, you, one of the tools she gave me was you describe a situation that upsets you and causes you anxiety and then you really stop it yourself and you think about what you're actually saying to yourself in those situations. So, for example, for me, I get feedback on something I've written, like an assignment. And I'm like, oh, it wasn't perfect. They hate me. They think I'm a terrible person. Whatever. Um, and those are thoughts that just happen unconsciously or like so quickly that I'm not really processing it. But when you write it out, you start to think about it. And you're like, well, that's, like, ridiculous. That person doesn't have time to think about me in this situation at all, let alone, like, ruminate on how they think I'm stupid. Like, they were actually just trying to help me, and that's their job. So, <laughs> and then it's about, like, reframing these situations. You, you provide what evidence from your childhood makes you think that that is true, or, like, what evidence in your mind makes you think that they're actually just sitting there and thinking that you're an idiot. And then you provide evidence of why that's not true. And you're like, well, they're busy. They've given me a lot of really positive feedback in my life. So, like, that's crazy. And you just, like, you look at the list and you're like, oh. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> a, that's a really interesting technique. That's, that's something I, I, I've kind of done a similar exercise in that but it's weird because especially I think in issues related to self-esteem where you're like you're your own worst critic and like you take criticism and it just like tears you apart um, or like you, you being very self-conscious about things or being very having guilt about things. 
I think even though you can do that exercise and you can even tell yourself, like, I know this is technically wrong. Like, I know that this isn't right. Mm. It can still really affect you, you right. know? Like, you mm. can still be, like, very self-conscious and, like, you know, look in the mirror and be like, you're a piece of shit. And be like, I know I'm not. Like, I know I'm fucking mm. fine. And I know if I compare myself to everyone, like... Right. But, like, you can still be having that thought. And you're like, why am I having this? It, like, doesn't make sense. Right. But I do think be doing exercises like that at least, like, so you become aware of it. And then you're mm. like, this is technically, like, illogical. Okay, so I missed the last step at the end of making that list. Yeah. Your challenge to yourself is instead of thinking every time you get feedback, oh, like they're thinking I'm an idiot because it's not perfect, you have to reframe it into something that's more realistic. So you make a statement like they were giving me feedback because it's their job and they were helping me improve. Yeah, yeah, that's or great. Or they like that. care about me. and. Yeah, it's not going to happen immediately, but then it's as long as it's something that's like a thought that jumps into your head that will fight the thoughts of negativity. Yeah, it's like it I look in the mirror and it's replace. like, you're not a complete piece of shit, Rylan. Maybe it's like, oh, I should go to the gym today and drink yeah. too many beer, you know? Like something yeah, I can like, be like, make You fun feel of a little for. shitty because <laughs> you drank like a monster last night. Let's go to the gym today for ourselves. Like, yeah, you know? exactly. Like, <laughs> I can frame it into a minor problem and easier solution than like, yeah. oh, this person hates me. How do you solve that problem? You yeah, know? well. And it's not even true. Yeah. So. <laughs> you can't solve a problem that doesn't exist. Um. All right. I think that's, I don't know. You got anything else you want to talk about? Mm. How'd you find the toilet situation? Don't talk about it. I really have to pee. That's fine. <laughs> you can go pee. I mean, so the rule on the Scandamaniac is you pee in the bucket in the shower, not in the composting toilet. Right. That's important. Every, every houseboat has their own rules of how to pee. That's basic houseboat etiquette. etiquette. Well, yeah. you walk into the house, you say, how do I use your bathroom? Exactly. So I thought I'd just put that on this <laughs> podcast and uh, that's it. Uh, signing off from the shores of Great Slave Lake, uh, live from HMS Scandamaniac, here with Catherine Raymond. Uh, can you ring us the ship's bell, Catherine? Boom. Boom.